to the MFG Show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the MFG Show. It has been a minute since we've gotten a chance to do one of these. I figured what better time than now to come back. Some people say, oh, Goldie, we were wondering where you at. Wonder if you were coming back after the first of the year. No, I'm not waiting to the first of the year. I can't do that. Too many questions have come in this episode. Uh, won't be a super long one. It's just me today uh, here on the MFG Show. There won't be a whole bunch of other people or any, actually anybody at all. It's just me. Uh, and I'm back uh, just because I want to address a couple of different things that I think would be fun to talk about. And uh, that starts with, you know, a, a lot of people have seen on social media, uh, both the Lush and I have started uh, our own kind of brand with We Are Unbreakable. That's the letter R, not the word. Um, and wondering a lot of questions. I've had questions around, you know, kind of, hey, wh- why? What are you guys doing with this? Like, wh- what's the deal? Why did it start? And, and two, um, where can I where can I find stuff? Right. So uh, I'm gonna lay some of that out for you guys today. Talk a little bit about what the deal is behind We Are Unbreakable, uh, and, and kind of shed some light on just kind of what life has been for me up until this point. Uh, the Lush is not here to talk about her stuff, so I'm not gonna talk out of school behind her back about that. So I won't do that here today. We'll have another episode at some point where the two of us will, will kind of get into. Uh, what the genesis behind that unbreakable mantra right is for us what else i'll talk about today is you know like i said giving people a little insight as to who i actually am why you know how did i become uh this magnificent beast that you all are listening to who's pleasuring your eardrums uh and what life has been like for me as i've grown and and what i've learned Uh, a lot of failures along the way uh and and what into what i would consider to be an incredibly successful life Are, are we filthy rich absolutely not do we have everything we've ever wanted absolutely not but what we do have is really truly an unbreakable relationship uh that has continued to soar over the last 18 months without question and a lot of that is due to the fact that uh you know the the things the trials and tribulations we had to go through uh, when we were younger, the things we had to learn, and, and if I can just pass some of that stuff along to uh, you know anybody that's younger, uh, or hell, anybody that's older that's still trying to figure it all out, right? Uh, we're firm believers in, here in this household that uh, it's never too late. You can always do whatever you want. And then the second thing I really want to cover today is really around uh, my journey on 75 hard and where that's going. I am currently on day 52 uh, of 75 days hard, and we'll get into kind of what that is, uh, how it came about, and whatnot, and, and why in the hell I decided to do this, um, especially number one question Goldie, what the hell are you doing, doing 75 days hard right at the holiday time? Uh, and we'll kind of get into that and hopefully it'll shed some light on that based on, you know, like I said, what is happening um, previous to, to all of this and, and how life has gone for me. So for, for those of you that don't know, um, and you know what's funny is actually there are some people that don't know. Uh, my first name is actually Steve. Uh, Gold is a nickname I was given a long time ago uh, from some dear friends that I used to work with. And it just kind of stuck one of those weird things uh but we'll we'll get to that um if i go back to kind of the beginning right uh i was uh there i was living as an individual sperm in my dad's balls i'm kidding i'm not going that far back uh i'm not even gonna go as far back as when that doctor smacked me on the ass inappropriate bro new into this world don't need to be beaten around 
anyway, uh, I had a great childhood. I grew up in, in, I guess you would call it like middle, middle class or like upper, lower middle class as I grew up. We weren't poor, um, but we didn't have, you know, all the luxuries or any of those things. Everything we got was just kind of very basic. But what I would tell you is that it wasn't, I, I don't mean that in a negative connotation. Um, my parents who are still together, still happily married, uh, coming up on, oh my gosh, I got to try and do the math. So let's see, coming up on 47 years, I think. Ah, amazing, spectacular. And if you're out there clapping, by all means, keep clapping. I love them to death. They're the best parents in the world. Uh, I had a, a, an excellent childhood. I really did. I am in no way, shape, or form going to talk about, uh, you know, oh, my God, we're so poor. We didn't have anything. We didn't know when the lights were going to get turned on. We had fucking awesome Christmases. We had great times growing up. Like I said, everything was real basic. Like, we got a Nintendo, and it was a huge expenditure for, for my family. We didn't have all of the new video game consoles every time they came out. We didn't have uh, any of the new toys uh, a lot of times. We always had toys, and we had a ton of toys. We had everything we needed. I grew up with two younger brothers. Uh, we had each other that we beat the hell out of each other on a regular basis. All we wanted to do, I think, from the time we were uh, probably from six years old on up uh, was probably be professional wrestlers uh, because we uh, pretty much destroyed every popcorn tin. You know those holiday popcorn tins? Um, we used to use the tops of those as steel chairs. I'm using air quotes here, but... Uh, we beat the hell out of each other. Uh, I, I believe, you know, when, when my mom brought home her very first laptop from work, those things that weighed like 60 pounds, uh, I caught one of those to the face one time as we were having a hardcore match or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it, all in all, what I'm laying out for you, great, great childhood. And as life went on, uh, as we grew up, uh, as my parents did better, you know, they moved from, you know, just that, that solid middle class to, to doing better for them. And it was great. We had a great uh, childhood. And, and, you know, I followed the... I guess I followed the blueprint that we all heard that my generation all heard is, you know, you, you went to high, you went to high school. And then once you graduated high school, then you went to college, you got a degree and you got a job. Um, I, I was under the assumption all along my entire life that, uh, up until that point that that was what I was doing. And at that time you have to remember now, this is also pre nine 11. This is back for, for some of you youngsters listening. Yes, this is, I am a graduate of the nineties. And some of you that are older, are, you're going to laugh at me for saying that. But, uh, fact of the matter is yeah, I graduated in the nineties. Uh, everything was great. Peacetime was, was, was rampant. Everybody was doing well. The economy was flying. Like everything was great. So, in my mind, based on everything that had been said, you know, there were things like community college seemed beneath me at that time. Um, and joining the military, anybody that listed in the military was obviously somebody who just wasn't very smart and couldn't even get into community college. That was the thinking at the time, okay? Um, before everybody jumps on my back, that is not my thinking now or in any way close to that. I'm just saying at that time, that's what it was. So no thoughts were given to any of that stuff. It was just, all right, where can I go to college? What can I do? So I started looking at other colleges and going in and looking at colleges in Pennsylvania and North Carolina. Uh, I grew up in Maryland here, right? Uh, almost exactly halfway between Baltimore and DC. So I had a ton of options open to me um, that I was going through. What my parents did is they allowed me to have that dream. They allowed me to push forward in that dream. And even though it was going to 
really stretch them financially, I believe. Obviously, I've never had that full conversation with them, but but I, I remember going to the, the college that I ultimately ended up going to on a visit day. Um, and I went through an orientation and a visit day while my mom talked to the uh, financial aid person. I remember coming out and her telling me that she had been sitting there crying, trying to figure out how she was going to uh, afford this. Um, and I was a douchebag 18-year-old kid. Uh, the right thing to have done was to console her and tell her, hey, look, I, you know, let's just do a community college. Let's just get it done um, uh, while we figure out what we're going to do from there. That really would have been the right way to go. Um, but I was, I was 18. I, I'm the oldest. Uh, so there's, uh, you know, you oldest children out there, you know. You, you felt it before, that, that whole feeling of uh, entitlement, right? Like, hey, I'm the oldest. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to set the example. I'm the man. This is what I'm going to do. Meanwhile, in the back of my brain, I never once, never once had any idea what I really wanted to do. I thought I wanted to go into athletic training. And you know what? Uh, you know, I, people say all the time, I, I did like the shadowing hours my senior year of high school and all that stuff. And I was like, ah, it seems kind of cool, but kind of weird that I had to be at every sporting event. That's how smart I was, guys. I wanted to be an athletic trainer and couldn't figure out why I had to be at every sporting event. It was a good, already off to a, a bang up start. I get to the school that I went to, um, and I, you know, like I said, I, I, I went into it uh, looking that that was going to be my 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 major. I was going to be an athletic trainer. It was going to be awesome. And when I got there, the first thing the head of the athletic training department uh, told everybody that was an incoming freshman was, "Hey, look, get all your classes out of the way that you need to this year. Um, whatever extracurriculars you want to do, sports, any of that stuff, go for it. Do it. Uh, but at the end." Uh, of your freshman year, uh, you have no more life for that. Uh, it's all going to be here in the training room. You start with taping people and doing all this stuff for all the other sports. Uh, that sounded horrific to me uh, because in my mind, again, as an 18-year-old boy who uh, was there, on, quite frankly, on his parents' dime uh, that I know for a fact they were pulling from the government, uh, that I just decided, no, nah, it wasn't for me. I was there to have a good time, to, to be on my own, sow my wild oats, Right? So that's what I did for an entire college year. Uh, my grades were vaguely okay coming out of that first semester. I came home for Christmas. Um, I think I had a, I think I had a D and some C's, maybe an A. Not not great. My parents kind of you know hey, fix this or, or you're not going back there. And it's like okay, no problem. And I decided right then and there. Apparently that uh, I wasn't going to let them decide and tell me what to do when they were going to pull me home. So I doubled down on all of it and let the university tell me to get out. That's right. I went to college for one year, uh, and at the end of that year was asked very kindly by uh, the Towson University office, uh, hey, man, uh, looks like you had a great time while you are here. Please don't come back. So right then and there, it, I got the letter in the mail while my, I want to say my parents were away on a weekend trip and I got that, that letter in the mail and I was like, there's no way I can hide this because they're going to ask where to go, where am I going in August and I, I, I can't go there. Um, so I called them and I explained to my mom that uh, I was a total failure and I felt that way. I genuinely, genuinely felt that way. Now, one of the reasons I felt that way was because... I, Look, my, my, like I said, my parents were awesome. They were super hardworking people. And in our family, uh, work ethic has never been a question. Everyone 
has this tremendous mat like my my family my my parents my brothers my aunts my uncles my grandparents my cousins my nieces nephews all of them. tremendous work ethic uh it's just inherent in us to work hard um you know a quick story is you know in, in those that know me uh, for a long time know this already but you know my dream was always to play baseball as long as possible this is my the the sport i loved i played since i was four uh growing up and when my high school that, that I went to here in Maryland is kind of the, the gold standard. And I'm sorry for those of you that didn't go there. You know who I'm talking about. And yes, we are the gold standard. Rundle High School was the gold standard for baseball at that time. At that time. The coach uh, that, that I got to play for, his, uh, he is the you know, state coach of the year so many times. He's in the National uh, High School Coaches uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, he's in the, uh, in a baseball hall of fame somewhere else. I think the college baseball hall of fame or something like that. But I mean, he's incredibly well known in the baseball community. And very honestly, um, that's all I wanted to do was I'm play at Arundel and then I'm going to move on to college and I'm going to go to the pros. Um, I got to high school, had, uh, had to literally bust my balls to be marginal compared to the rest of the talent that was there. And, you know, I made that team every year year all four years i made that team never more than if you carry 23 22 guys on a roster um i was probably 18 or 19 i don't think i was ever the worst some of you guys might hit me up and let me know maybe i was maybe I'm a little delusional maybe i wasn't that maybe i was 21 22 but but i knew how hard i had to work um and i never uh, at the end of every year at our end of the season banquet um Every coach I played for always gave me the, that kudos. Nobody had worked harder. Um, I, just, I just wasn't super talented, but I wouldn't stop working. Uh, I would compete every time and go out there. So fast forward to, to this summer and getting this letter, knowing full well that it was my own fault, um, but being 19 years old, I passed the buck. I passed the blame. I got pissed. Uh went down to some 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 deep dark holes of just you know th- this is awful and from there um you know i ended up going to um i ended up going to a community college for a year doing getting the best grades of my life uh and then going on and so i bounced back right then uh, I, I met a girl then i met a girl there were other girls along the way but then i met a girl who was a roommate of a friend of mine from high school who was there another summer, the summer between what would have been my sophomore year in college and junior year of college, um, and she thought I was cute. Uh, I can tell you, looking back on these things now, I didn't have a very high opinion of myself. Uh, My self-confidence level from the time I was probably 13 hitting that puberty level and they all kind of take that dip, right? All guys take that dip at 13 and 14, whatever you hit puberty. Some of you still have it at 20, whatever. But I never bounced back from that. I was a funny guy. Um, I was smart, but I didn't work that hard at being smart. Uh, I, I didn't work that quite frankly in a family full of people that worked really hard and did awesome. I didn't have to work that hard to get decent grades. So I didn't work that hard. Uh, the hardest thing I ever worked at was at baseball. So everything outside of that didn't really become uh, all that important to me to work that hard, uh, hence the athletic training story. So I met a girl, and, and, and when a girl, it didn't matter. Quite honestly, there was a lot of things that mattered about whether or not uh, it was something I, I, I should pay attention to, look at like, oh, is this girl right for me? If somebody paid me attention, uh, I was in. And she paid attention. Uh, she happened to be from out of town. 
and she happened to be from Ohio, and she really thought I was cute. So I spent that entire summer um, developing a long-distance relationship with her when she went home, uh, and really we, we dated for an entire school year, I think. Um, we dated for an entire school year, uh, college year, uh, just long-distance, um, neither one of us probably being very faithful uh, and then I did what all 20 year old men do, uh, who have a long distance relationship and are getting laid for the first time, in a, you know, regularly. Uh, I followed that brain instead of the one in my head. Uh, I moved to, uh, Cleveland, Ohio. I, I followed her. I went to, Cle- I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Cleveland state. They've got a great communications and PR program there. I'm going to go be a public relations person. Uh, and, and that's what I'm going to do. Uh, I had a whole plan in my head. I'm going to do that. I'm going to get an internship with the Cleveland Indians. I'm going to work in Major League Baseball as a PR person. I got to Cleveland State. Um, Again, delivered great grades. um, Had a decent time. Really enjoyed. um, Really began to drink more heavily. Uh, and that was all part of it all along the way, right there, you know, you're in college. So, you know, my freshman year was drinking and smoking pot and probably dropping acid and doing all of those things. But then I failed. So this time I was like, look, I'm going to have some drinks, but that's going to be the end of it. And I started to do really well. I started to write for the school newspaper. I was the baseball coverage guy, which was awesome. I got to cover college baseball and major league baseball. Um, This was in the early days of the internet, guys. This was around the time that Napster thing happened. Uh, So my roommate and I, who was my best friend from high school, who decided to move out, one of my best friends from high school, decided to move out there with me and go to Cleveland State. And uh, we were having a great time. Everything was going really well. Um... That summer rolls around, and we decide, hey, look, we're not going to live in downtown. We're not going to live in the city. We don't live in the dorm building, basically, which was an old Holiday Inn that they had converted to dorm rooms. Like, literally, still, everything was the same, except that it was now a dorm room. It was fucking weird, but it was, I mean, it worked. And the doors still closed like hotel doors. Those big, heavy doors that slam shut, oh, yeah, still happen. So, fast forward to that summer, and... This is where things really start to kind of take a a weird turn for me. Uh, That took me a long time to recover from. Um, I went through that summer and my roommate and I had decided, my buddy and I had decided we were going to move into, uh, we were going to basically move into, rent a duplex um, in this neighborhood. Um, And we moved into that uh, neighborhood and I had uprooted my entire life. Now that I had moved there, this is what it was. I was all in committed uh, to this young lady, to living out there. Uh, we did a lot of great things. That summer, she had asked me one thing when I left from school. Just send me a card. At least one card over the summer that you're thinking about me. I said, no problem. Easy peasy. We talked all the time. We paged each other because that was a thing then. We didn't have cell phones. We just sent pages. What was it? The the 831 for I love you and 911 for emergency and stuff like that. You know, we did all those things. Uh, and I partied that whole summer. I had a great time that summer. But I never sent the card. Which came back to bite me in the ass three months after I moved my entire life to Cleveland, Ohio. I began shopping for an engagement ring. I was ready to go. I'm a hopeless romantic, guys. I'm like, I'm like 22 at this point. Like, I'm a hopeless romantic. I have always thought marriage equates 
it comes from dating, right? If you're dating somebody, it's the, you're, you're trying to date them so that you can marry them uh, or else like what the hell's the point, right? That, that's, that's at least what, what I got from it. And as I did that, uh, three, or, three months after I moved out there, um, she, she left me. She dumped me. Uh, had fallen in love with some other guy at her dorm building at the school she was at. Um, and it wrecked me. It absolutely wrecked me. And I went into a deep, deep, deep dark hole. Uh, this will be, you know, I would go to, my buddy and I found all the places that had in the neighborhood that were there, all the neighborhood bars when they had specials on beers and wings. And one place that we went to, Panini's, uh, had uh, twice a week had dollar drafts and 50 cent wings. I'm sorry, dollar drafts, 10 cent wings. So you could get full and hammered on like 20 bucks. That is where I almost lived. I drank and ate chicken wings. I came home a couple of times. My mom noticed how skinny I was. It didn't matter. Um, I was in such a deep, dark hole. I would have angry conversations with God at that time because I still kind of was religious in some way. And I just, I would blame God for all these things. I just got more and more angry. And then I would drink more. And then I would uh, eat less. Uh, and this was right about this time. Um, as I'm approaching the summer, getting through the winter, and you know it's gray in Cleveland nine months of the year, uh, this is the first time that uh, I genuinely started to have those first thoughts of nobody's gonna fucking miss me if I'm gone. I, why am I here? I should, I, I could, I should could just end it, and it literally would affect no one. Those are the thoughts I had. Um, and obviously they didn't go that far down the road. I made a quick correction, um, got a really cool job and just kind of just, just went through life, ended up meeting, uh, another young lady a few months later. Um, and we really hit it off and we spent all of our time together. And, uh, quite honestly, uh, two years later, I ended up marrying her. Uh, I'm not going to go through the whole boring details of everything. You know, everybody goes and has heard their stories about 9-11 and all that stuff. And, and that really bothered me because I wanted to help. Um, I was a broken man when I met what was to be my first wife. Uh, I was a broken man. And she prov she she really was a... Uh, uh, she was someone that was, it was easy when she said, Hey, let's do this. I just did it. Um, and it turned into more of that as time went on. And, uh, you know, it, I'm not here to bad mouth my ex-wife. Uh, we're friends now. She lives right down the road from me. Um, everything is good, but that relationship really had some very rocky points broke off. You know, we got engaged, um, broke off. I tried to break off that engagement a couple of times normally through some sort of drunken stupor, again, drinking relatively heavily and, and really getting into some bad spots. We got married and a month after we were married, we found out we were pregnant. So we weren't even married that long. At this point, guys, we had been together maybe two and a half years. We go through that process. Uh, my beautiful daughter is born. And guys, I know you hear it a million times and I'm going to say it uh, for the million and first time. 
I saw my daughter be born. I saw her face. I looked into those eyes. It was over. Everything changed. I genuinely don't remember much else from my life before her being born. Uh, she has been the apple of my eye for now almost 18 years. Uh, and the best thing that, that came out of my time there in Ohio. Uh, I lived there for seven or eight years. Um, our marriage was always kind of something that was rocky and whatever. Uh, we moved back here to Maryland uh, shortly after my daughter was born uh, to to kind of just get into a better situation, uh, fight through what was the beginning of a, of a very deep recession. Um, we got back here and just a terrible string of luck with jobs. Uh, I worked for a company that went out of business overnight. Then uh, did some construction for a while. Obviously knew that is not what I wanted to do, but I did it because I needed to support my family. Then we're for uh, another job where I made some terrible mistakes. All in all, a, a lot of things went just further and further down. Um, those times we talk about, you know, peaks and valleys in life. Uh, I went through about a seven to eight year period where there were no peaks, um, at least not from, from what I could see at that time. Uh, continual valleys and the valley just kept going. Uh, and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Flash forward and I am uh, 30 three years old, I assume at that point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 33, 33 years old. Uh, I realized that this marriage is in a bad spot. We're pretty much roommates with a kid. And <clears throat> there were a lot of things that I knew were my fault. There were a lot of things I had stopped drinking for, I think three years at that point. Um, cause she believed I was an alcoholic. Uh, and probably during that period, I, I showed signs of alcoholism. I don't think I am or was an alcoholic, but I do think that um, I showed signs of it and I drank excessively. I, I don't disagree with what that assessment was. And during that time, uh, I, I made the decision that it was during that time of clarity um, with everything that was going on, I, you know, I decided that it was time to end our marriage. Um, I told her that. It was a horrible time, um, really dark time. And going through, uh, normally in those situations, I would always drink myself out uh, of those. And this time I, I, I didn't. I didn't have that crutch. So I faced it, uh, as you should, as a human, to, to deal with those things. I told my daughter uh, while she sat there what was going to happen and watched her meltdown. Um, it was an awful time in life. I was going to be a 33-year-old at that time believed to be alcoholic who had just started a started his sales career all over at the bottom floor at a software company, um, who was going to be divorced uh, and pretty well broke. And I remembered something that I had seen at one point in time that was a, a story about Harry S. Truman, I believe it is, who at 38 years old was broke, homeless, <clears throat> and just in, in, in the in the gutter. And by 48 was president of the United States. I might have those numbers wrong, but it's something about that story. And I kept that in the back of my mind. I met the love of my life when I was seven years old. Seven years old. In elementary school, I met the love of my life. And we went and <laughs> dated as much as you can through elementary school and then, you know, dated as much as we could in middle school, which was kind of a little bit. And then we went to 10th grade homecoming together and we didn't talk again for 16 years. 16 years to the day, well, not really to the day, uh, to the month. 
we began dating. Uh, we were both leaving marriages that were unhealthy, um, marriages that were not working for either of us. We had kids. Um, so we navigated that whole scenario. I'll spare you some of the details as I go through this because you've been listening to me ramble for you know 27 minutes at this point, I think. Um, it was a hard road for the first five years that we were together. Uh, there were a lot of legal battles. There were a lot of financial issues. There were a lot of job issues. There were a lot of other things. Both of us trying to get out of each other's way when it came to the deep, dark issues we had from our pasts. That was something we needed to correct. We couldn't keep getting out of each other's way. We needed to be there to help, to walk side by side, to face these things on and on. And we made that decision because we didn't want to be broken again. This is where Unbreakable starts, guys. This is where it came from. Uh, we did not want, we didn't want to be breakable anymore. We wanted to be better for each other. We wanted to be better for our kids. We wanted to be better for our relationship. So we did a lot of things. We, we, we have lost friends. We have, um, we've lost money. We've lost all kinds of things. We've had ups and downs with, with different family members, some family members, you know, I, I have family members on my wife's side I've never talked to, and she has some on my side she's never even spoken to. Um, and part of that is just because everybody has their own opinion on what they see from the outside. They, they knew what our situations, our backgrounds were coming in, and that's all they knew. What everybody knows. But instead of asking questions and digging in deeper, um, they just made their assumptions and rolled on with that. And guess what? I, I'm here to tell you, you know, nine, almost ten years later, I don't give a shit. If somebody doesn't have the energy or the wherewithal to ask more questions before just assuming um, or to get the actual answers, no matter where it's from. I'm not saying I have all the answers, but it, it, in my situation, I fucking do. I have all the answers. I am the answers. But when people don't come and ask and don't talk to you about it and try to dig deeper to understand, um, I, I don't give a shit about their assumptions. And that's something that we both had to learn. We both had to learn to let go of our pasts, our past relationships that had beaten us down, uh, that had been you know, between controlling and mental abuse and physical abuse and, and, and drinking and, and smoking and drugs and all those. We had to get past all those things that we would use as a crutch or would have as an anchor pulling us down. We did that. We've done that. So I go back to the beginning when I said that, are we, the, are, are we the richest people in the world? No. Are we making more mistakes? Yeah, hell yeah, we make mistakes. But what we're not is poor in our relationship. Our relationship is fantastic. Our relationship is as good as, as anybody's could be in my mind. I, I, I believe in her mind too. Uh, but in my mind, uh, I believe that. That is why we are unbreakable. And that is why when, when we decided, look, we're ready to go to the next level. We've stabilized a lot of things in our lives over the last three years. It's taken a lot. We've climbed out of a deep, deep hole, including, hell, three years ago. I can, I can picture it on the day, September 26th, three years ago. This is 2021, so it was 2018. It was the last time that I thought that I should kill myself. 
And I don't mean that I just thought, oh man, like the last time I had mentioned, I didn't remember, I, I didn't say anything like, oh boy, what would everybody do if I wasn't here? No. Uh, I actually had to fight the urge to not take my car and drive it off of an embankment. I was ready to die because I thought it would be easier. Now, by the grace of whoever, I got a couple awesome buddies. And they read some telltale signs and they reached out to me that day. And those two guys, and they know who they are. I've told them. uh, They saved my life that day. They saved my kids from not having a dad slash stepdad. They saved my beautiful wife from not having her husband uh, by doing that. And I decided from that day forward, well, really the next day, um, that I was no longer going to let those defeats that we've had, those, those, that feeling, you've all had that feeling, my God, what else can you possibly give me that could burden me any further, make me feel any more beat down? I'm here to tell you, folks, I've been beaten down to that lowest, absolute worst point. So was my wife. And we made the decision that no matter what, no matter how hard we got knocked down, we're fucking getting back up. We're getting back up, dusting off, we're re-engaging. We're going to keep moving forward. We're not going to stop. We're going to push forward no matter what. And we're going to, God damn it, we're going to be successful. To our level. To what we expect. To what we define as successful. And that's what I want everybody else to have. That's what we both want everybody else to have. And that's why we do what we do with We Are Unbreakable. All we want to do is help people mentally become stronger because that's what we've done on our own. And we did it from learning from the beatdown that life has put on us. And guess what? We are under no illusion that no matter what level we get to next, there's more beatdowns coming. They're just going to get bigger. So we just have to fight back harder. And that's what we're going to do. That's what We Are Unbreakable is. Now, I've got some awesome stuff coming from that. Everybody's asking, hey, when do you have any stuff coming? Yeah, yes. We Are Unbreakable website is going to be up and live, hopefully right after the first of the year. But until then, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook, and just pay attention. We Are Unbreakable. R, the letter, not the word. I'm telling you, we're here to help. We want to talk to people. We want to help people. We want to show people, look, we've been through it all. We don't have great days every day. We don't post every day on social media about how beautiful life is and then come home and motherfucker each other every, the entire time smacking each other around. We have bad days and we put that shit up too. That's what we're going to do and that's what we are unbreakable as. One of the ways I've found to be able to get through and build that mental toughness and help go through that. Much to my wife's chagrin, I feel bad for her. She's such a great supporter for all this stuff. But is I challenge myself. Every year, I give myself a set number of challenges that I need to attack. Whether they're mental challenges, whether they're physical challenges, whether they're endurance challenges. Most of them over the last two years have been endurance challenges. And people ask all the time, why would you do some of these crazy things? Because I have to. I have to keep pushing. I have to keep facing that suffering. Because when, when you have been freezing your nuts off... For 12 hours, knowing that you still have six more hours of something to go, the flat tire doesn't feel so bad. The minor car accident your kids get in doesn't seem so bad. 
I know it sounds crazy to some of you, but it's true. That's the way it works in my mind, which is why I decided this year I've done, I've done a bunch of physical endurance challenges. I wanted to do one that was going to be a more of a mental challenge. And that's why I attacked 75 days hard. For those of you who don't know what 75 days hard is, 75 days hard is 75 consecutive days, two workouts a day of 45 minutes each. They cannot be back to back. They must be separate. And one of them must be outside. One gallon of water drank a day. Ten, at least 10 pages of a nonfiction book. One progress picture every day. No alcohol for 75 days. And you must pick one diet. One diet. Food plan, whatever you want to call it. And you must eat it for 75 days. Absolutely no cheat days. If you fail at any one of these, you start over back at day one. I've had friends fail that forgot to take a goddamn progress picture. I've had friends that didn't drink a gallon of water. They got to 120 ounces, just didn't get to 128. And you have to have the integrity to do it right and go through that. And people think, oh, this is a physical transformation challenge. It's not. It's a mental challenge. You're developing discipline. You're developing daily habits that you must do every day. And then they become habit. I'm on day 52. I'm literally at the point where it is habit for me to do all of these things. It's annoying habits. It's boring right now because I'm in that stretch where it's not new anymore and I'm not almost to the finish line. I'm right in that middle. And that's what I'm pushing to do. That's why I'm pushing to do it. Because it's developed something in me mentally that I didn't expect. It's given me a capability to understand that nothing is hard. I don't, there is not anything right now I vision that I visualize is too hard to do. It's not. To me, it's not that hard. It doesn't matter what you're going to tell me. Starting a brand that's going to have a clothing line. It doesn't sound that hard. Let me see what I can do. Fucking almost there. Finally diving into a business sector I've always wanted to dive into. Doing the research. Guess what? Not that hard. As soon as this one's done, I got the next one lined up. Joined a coaching club that cost more money per month than I would have spent on coaching in the past. Scary step. Scary financial step. But scared money doesn't make money. It's not that hard. I'm not telling you you need to do 75 days hard. I know the, the lush wouldn't tell you that either. What I'm telling you is to challenge yourself. Find ways to challenge yourself. Whatever that is to you. Don't make it easy. That's not a challenge. That's just doing something. If it's hard for you, if it's, if it's easy for you to walk around the block, don't walk around the block. Walk around the block three times. If that's challenging, then do it. If you're like, Steve, I can do three times around the block. Okay, then do four. I don't care. Whatever it is, make it so it's hard. you got to push yourself for the end of it. And do it every day. Every day. Don't take on 50 things to try and change at once. It's not going to work. I know we're at that time of the year. Where Steve, I made this, uh, you know, I made my New Year's resolution. It's going to be great. I'm going to do this, 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 and this this year. Ah, bullshit. You're probably not. If you want to make changes, uh, pick a change. Start it today. Start it now. Today is December 22nd. Start it now. Start it now. Pick one. Start it now. 
And when it becomes habit, pick another, do it again. But don't wait for Monday. Don't wait for January 1st. Start now. It's never too late. It's never too late. I'm 42 years old and I feel like I am just now getting ready to take off. And do you think I think for one second, like, oh man, 42, I'm almost there. Like halfway, right? Compared to life expectancy, I think. Hell no, I don't think that. I don't think that for a second. I think today's day one. Start it over. Everybody can start over. All right. That's all I got for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, you know, if you want to help support the old podcast, uh, we, we do have a couple of uh, couple of groups we've worked with uh, that, that help support the podcast. So check out DMV Labs for supplements, right? Uh, Kyle and Taylor have done an amazing job making some really great tasting and some really super beneficial supplements for you. It's that first time of the year, right? You're all looking to try and get on a diet or something like that. Supplementation is key. Go to dmv-labs.com. Uh, check out their supplements. Use code Goldie Playground, uh, all one word. If you use that, uh, you'll you'll get a discount on what you're doing. Um, I'll also have uh, in the the show notes for this will also be the the link you can use if uh, you prefer to do it that way. And then of course, my favorite is a sip on it right now. Vader Coffee. Oh, God love them. I'm, I'm not kidding, folks. It really is the best coffee I've ever had. Delush agrees. She loves it. Invader Coffee is freaking fantastic. Uh, they air roast their coffee, uh, which is only done by like 1% of all coffee roasters in the world. So it lowers the acidity. That that indigestion that you get, that uh, deep burn you may get from a couple cups of coffee or whatever it is, it's non-existent. It's non-existent. If you don't get that and you just love great tasting coffee, I'm telling you guys, the stuff is the shit. It's so good. Go to invadercoffee.com, uh, code word Goldie's Playground, uh, get you a discount as well. Anyway, uh, the other ways you can support, hey, leave a comment, write a review, rate this podcast on whatever it is that you're listening to it on, whether it's Podbean, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Amazon Music, whether it's Google Play, I don't give a shit. Leave a review, like it, subscribe, do those things, help us out. Have a great day, everybody. I hope you have a great Merry Christmas is coming up. I hope that uh, hope this was helpful a little bit. And either way, I hope you also go out and do some silly shit this week and have a good time. Have a good night, everybody.